want to tell you something so that was the ghoulies and hot rods from outer space they are a badass band i'm glad they gave me permission to use their music as my intro and outro man it sounds much better than the one i had so i'm really excited super nice guys follow their music subscribe to them on youtube and follow them on facebook i just want to give a big shout out to them because i am so thankful Anyway, today we're getting into the Betty Hill abduction regression tapes. And I cut it into about, you know, 10 minute segments. And then I'm going to put in my input, some information, things like that. So it's not just long and drawn out in a 40 minute recording like it was last time of just the regression. So let's get it going. We're driving a lot. I don't know where we are. I don't even know how we got here. Her body like, we've been driving and I don't know how long and we haven't even been talking. We, I've just been sitting here feeling that something's going to happen. And I'm not really too afraid. Except right now I am. At that time I didn't feel afraid. I'm afraid now, but I was oh, I, I don't I, I wasn't afraid I, I was afraid when I saw the men in the road. Men in the road. <laughs> I never been so afraid in my life. Tell me about the men in the road. <laughs> it's all right now. You're safe here. Tell me about the men in the road. We we're driving along we're on a tired road. And all of a sudden without any warning or any reason or rhyme or anything, but he made a, uh, he almost, the brakes, I think he would squeal, he stopped so suddenly and made this sharp left hand turn to the highway and we went onto this narrow road. Um, I was wondering what he was doing down here, but he wasn't saying anything, and I wasn't. I figured, well, maybe we're lost, but so what? We'll come out somewhere. 
and we're going along, and there was a sharp curve in the road, and as we went around the curve, there were trees. There were a lot of tall, tall trees on my side. I don't know about Bonnie's side of the road, but there was these men standing in the highway. And I wasn't too afraid when I saw them. They were standing there. And I thought, well, you know, there was several. There was, oh, I don't know. And they were just, you couldn't get a good look at them. But then I thought, well, you know, are they in a car and the car broken down? Or what are they doing there? And Bonnie, of course, had to stop. And then he, he stops the car. And these men started to come up to the car. They, they, they separated. They came up in two groups. And when they started to do that, I, I got real scared. And the, the, the car motor died. The car stalled. And, and when they started coming up, Bonnie tried to start the car. He tried to start it, and you know how a motor of a car would just turn over and turn over and won't fire? And he tried to start the car. He did what? He tried to start the car, yes. and it won't start. And the men are coming to us, and I think, well, I can't get away from this. I can, if I get the car door open, I can run in the woods and hide. And... I'm thinking it, and I just put my hand on the car door to open it, and just, and the men come up, and they open it for me, and they open the car door, and there's, there's not very big men, there's one, two, three, next to me. And then there's two men behind I didn't hear that. Two men. There's a car door. And there's one, two, three men. Yep. And then there's one, two more behind them. Yes. And one man puts his hand out. Could you see their faces? No. How were they dressed? Alike, somehow or other. Did they have them in a uniform or were they in ordinary clothes? Uniform, you know. I couldn't say. There's a couple of men behind me, and then there's Barney, and he, 
bed on each side of him. And my eyes are open. My body's still asleep. He's walking and he's asleep. And thank you. And I begin to get mad. And they go, who the heck are these characters? And what do they think they're doing? And so I turn around and I say, Bonnie, wake up. Bonnie, why don't you wake up? And he doesn't pay any attention. He keeps walking. And I keep going a little bit further, and I turn around and I say his name again, Bonnie, wake up. And he doesn't pay any attention. And then the man who's walking beside me here says, oh, is his name Bonnie? And... I turned around and I looked at this man and I think it's none of his business. So I didn't speak to him. Did we keep walking? And I try to wake body up again. He said, body, body, wake up. And he doesn't. So the man said, he asked me again, he said, is body his name? Then I would ask him so that he says, he says, don't be afraid. You don't have any reason to be afraid. We're not going to harm you. But we just want to do some tests. When the tests are over with, We'll take you and body back and put you in your car and you'll be on your way back home in no time. And so I mean he was he was sort of reassuring in a way, but I wasn't can't say I trusted what he said. And I wasn't sure what was going to happen, and we kept walking, and the body was still asleep, and then... You mean he was walking in sleep? Yeah, mm. he was just like sleepwalking. These men spoke good English. So their car is stalled in the middle of the road. That's very common with UFO reports. I don't know how many times I've heard it. They seem to be able to shut your vehicle down through some technological means. They see men approaching, and if you go back to the last podcast, this correlates with Barney Hill's abduction as well, because he remembers this exact scenario, except he believed he was getting robbed. They both are afraid, they don't know what the hell to do. These men start approaching, and she can't really make their faces out, but if you recall... Barney Hill noticed the very, as he put it, Chinese-looking eyes, but more slanted. They really seem to have bothered him. In her case, I think it's more of like altered perception. You know, for some reason, she didn't notice it. She couldn't make their faces out too well. Maybe she's got like a mental block on her part. Or it could be the altered perception that I was talking about. You know, for example, you got Mike Cleland, if you're familiar with him, talking about seeing large black-eyed owls or just owls in general. You've got Terry Lovelace talking about the little yellow-eyed monkeys trying to talk to him and get him to come with them as a child. Whitley Strieber again with Mr. Peanut. You've got Dr. Carla Turner. She had a religious abductee who was being abducted by a bunch of little gray men. She wouldn't go with them. So they decided to pull up a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus who said that these were his angels and that you should come with them. In other words, 
They're trying to entice you to go with them and make the process easier for both you and them. That's commonly reported in many different scenarios. But this could be a case of that, almost, or she has a bit of a mental block again. But, so the entities are approaching the car, and we're just going to call them abductors, because that's what they are. They're approaching the car, and they split into two groups, and she's got five on her side, three in the front, two in the back. She doesn't report what's on Barney's side. But, they get out of the car, and... Barney, he's got his eyes closed, and again, this correlates back to his regression tape from the last episode because he closed his eyes on purpose out of fright. He didn't want to see what was going on. So they're helping him along through the woods, and he's scraping up his shoes, which is physical trace that was found later on. His shoes were scraped up. She's begging him to wake up, and these entities, or abductors as we're going to call them, are asking what his name is. She doesn't want to tell him. So he says, don't be afraid. We just want to do some tests and then you can be on your way. And that makes her feel a little bit better. So she goes on to say that he's very business-like, but he has a foreign accent. The foreign accent part's a little odd to me. The very business-like, that's what's commonly reported. So they're going up a ramp, which also is in Barney Hill's regression tapes he just doesn't specify it as a ramp he just feels himself you know lifting or going up an incline so she then goes into the leader staying with her the other crew members leaving and the examiner coming in now they ask her to undress and she lays down on the table which is a very short table and the examiner sticks the needle into her navel, as she puts it. I've heard her say that quite a few times. It's one of the main takeaway things if you're watching like a paranormal TV show that they put on there to kind of give you that shock factor. Now this hurts her a lot. And she talks about the needle being a cluster of needles with like a wire coming out of it. That's odd. But, I mean, this whole thing is, to be honest with you. She's in pain and she's upset as this is happening. And the leader comes over and he puts his hand over her head. Or her eyes, rather. And this seems to take away the pain. This is also commonly reported. I, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know, again, if that's some kind of brainwave thing, which... You know, leads into the altered perception and such, but if it's some way to affect us neurologically so we're not feeling these things. I don't know how exactly you do that through a hand, but it seems to be the case in this scenario and many others. Uh, only one spoke, the one who was on my left. And he said, and then he was more or less. He had an accent. He, he had sort of a foreign accent. But he was very, you know, business-like. And so then we kept walking. We came to... And there was a case of the clearing, and there was, oh, I wish it was lighter so I could get a better picture of that. There was a ramp and a door. There was a... The object was on the ground. The object was on the ground? Yeah. I think it was the same when I was watching in the sky. And it was... 
there were trees, there was a path, and there was this clearing. And this object just, oh, the clearing I could see just about filled up, filled up the clearing. And they're taking me up to the object. Now, I don't want to go on it. I don't want to, I don't know what's going to happen if I go on it. I don't want to go. And I go up the ramp. And I go inside. And there's a corridor to the left. We go up the corridor. There's a room, and they sat to take me in the room. Some of the men come in the room with this man who speaks English and me. They stay for a minute. I don't know who they are. I guess maybe they're the crew, but they only stay for a minute. And the man who speaks English, is there, and he, another man comes in. I haven't seen him before. I think he's a doctor. They, they came in the door, and I think he's got, I don't know how our nervous system is, but I hope that we'll never have nerve enough to go around kidnapping people right off the highways, like he's done. And I, oh, he tells me to take off my dress, and he told me to take off my dress and then before I have even have a chance hardly to stand up to do it, the examiner, had, my dress has a zipper down the back. Down the back? Yeah, it has a zipper down the back. And the examiner unzips my dress. It goes way down to my waist, the zipper does. And so I slip my dress off, as so I don't have my my dress or my shoes on. And there's a uh, next over away is a stool, and then there's in the sort of in the middle of the room is a table. Something on the table. It's not up very high, about the same height as a desk. So uh, I lie down on the table on my back, and he brings over this uh, uh, oh, how can I describe it? They're like needles. There's a whole cluster of needles, and each needle has a wire running from it. So then they roll me over on my back. And the examiner has a long needle in his hand. And I see the needle. And it, it's it's bigger than any needle I've ever seen. And I asked him what he's going to do with it. And he said, just a simple test, it won't hurt me. And I asked him what. And he said, he just wants to put it in my navel. It's just a simple test. And I don't know, it won't hurt. Don't do it. Don't do it. And he said, no, it won't hurt. 
So the examiner finishes up with her zipper dress back up, which we find out later, actually, the zipper is ripped on her dress, and there's a pink powdery substance that's left over. Some more physical trace evidence to kind of validify this whole situation and scenario. He leaves, and she starts speaking with the leader, saying that nobody's going to believe her, and that most people don't even know that he's alive. So, that he doesn't exist. You know, other people don't really believe in aliens. Even now, with all this UAP stuff coming out, people are still really skeptical, and it's almost a laughing matter. I told my boss the other day about me recording a podcast on Betty and Barney Hill abduction, and he just laughed. You know, so there's always going to be that laugh factor with some people. That's just how it's going to be. And I don't see that going away anytime soon. Anyway, so she she's talking with the leader and she wants some evidence. So she takes a book and he says, that's fine. So he opens up a wall and he wants to show her a map. Now there's a couple things that I found odd about this part. He explains the lines to her. With the broken lines being expeditions, the solid lines being occasional places that they go to, and the heavy lines being trade routes. Now, one of the things that I was mentioning that I found odd about this was he never said that's where he was from. And if you go off of the Zeta Reticuli theory of that being a map of that star system, which kind of matches up, he never 
Earth is not on there. So she can't actually point out Earth on a star system that is not matching ours. So when she asked him, he dodged the question, and I find that, like I said, really interesting and odd. So he rolled the map up, which I also find odd, but it's an oblong, oval-shaped map. So it's not like he rolled it out like a normal, old-fashioned, you know, map of going over the sea or something. It's an odd-shaped map. And then this made her feel bad because she couldn't point out where Earth was. Now, if you're under hypnosis, I, I feel like you're probably not going to feel emotions like feeling like you're stupid, which she is not. And then some crew members come in, and they're kind of freaking out. The examiner walks over to her, opens her mouth, checks her teeth. And I find this part kind of funny because Barney Hill's teeth came out because they're dentures and hers didn't. Which you'll see that she also found that pretty laughable. And then she goes into trying to have them meet us, you know, um... Like that global disclosure that most people want. You know, aliens landing on the White House lawn and talking to scientists and things like that. And I began to get worried. And I kept, I asked him why it was taking so long with Barney. And he said, well, they were doing a few more tests with him. But he'd be right along in a minute. And uh, the, uh, there was a cabinet there, and the, exa the, the doctor, the examiner, I mean, it, he had gone out of the room. There was just the, the leader in me there. So there was a doctor there, you say? I, and the man who did the examining, he did the testing, and he left. And so there was just the leader and me. And so uh, I felt, I mean, I was grateful to him because he had stopped my pain. And, and now I wasn't afraid at all. And so I started talking with the leader. And I said to him that this had been quite an experience. It was unbelievable that no one would ever, ever believe me, and that most people didn't even know he was alive, and that what I needed was some proof that this had really happened. So he laughed. And he said, well, what kind of proof did I want? What would I like? And I said, well, if he could give me something to take back with me, then people would believe it. And so he told me to look around. And maybe I could find something I would like to take. And I did. And there wasn't much around. But on the cabinet, there was a book. A, a, a fairly big book. So... I, uh, I, I put my hand on the book and I said, could I have this? And the, the leader laughed and he 
asked me if I thought I could read it. And I told him, no, I laughed too. I said, no. But I wasn't taking it to read that this was going to be my proof that this had happened. That, that this is my proof. And so he said that I could, ha I could have the book if I wanted it. And I picked it up, and I was delighted. I mean, this was, this was one, this was uh, more than I had ever hoped for. He went over across the room to the head of the table, and there was, he, he did something. He opened up, uh, it wasn't like a drawer. He sort of did something in, in the metal of the wall. There was an opening. And he pulled down a map. And he asked me, had I ever seen a map like this before? And I walked across the room and I leaned against the table and I looked at it. And it was a map of, it was a oblong map. And he said that the heavy lines were trade routes. And then the other lines, the other line, the, 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 the solid lines were places they went occasionally. And he said that the broken lines were expeditions. So I asked him where he, what, where was his home port? And he said, where's the, where are you on this map? And I looked and I laughed and I said, I don't know. So he said, well then, if you don't know where you are, there wouldn't be any point of my telling you where I am. And he put the map, he, the, he the map rolled up and he put it back in the space in the wall and closed it. And I felt very stupid because I didn't know where the earth was on the map. And I asked him, well, could he show me? Could he open up the map again and show me where the earth was? And he just laughed. And then I still, I got the book. I still got the book. I'm carrying the book. I got it in my eyes. It's a big book. I don't, and so I went back to the cabinet and put the book down and started to look through it again. And there was all of a sudden this noise out in the hall. And some of the other men come in and with them is the examiner. 
and they're quite excited. So I asked the leader, I said, what's the matter? Did, did something happen to Barney? What's, what is that? Well, it's something to do with Barney. And the, the examiner has me, op has me open my mouth and he starts checking my teeth and they're tugging at them. And I asked him, what are they trying to do? What were they doing at them? They were trying... So she's talking about them taking a little longer with Barney. Now this also correlates with his regression. I mean, his is a lot shorter in the sense of he's got his eyes closed. He can't remember everything that's going on the entire time. But they do, which is common with abductions, place something over his genitals and take sperm. This is common. I mean, that's one of the big things that abductions are about, is what it seems like. They're doing that to him, which is why it's taking a little longer. And he actually gets, like, genital warts from it, for example. And they become inflamed as he's doing his regression until eventually he has them removed. I know a little gross, but he was embarrassed to even talk about it. But it's another one of those things that correlates that I thought would be kind of good to put in here. I, I wouldn't want him to be exposed to any danger. That I don't know how I could do it. I don't know how I could... I'd work it out somehow. But if he if he could come, uh, I want him to come back. I want him to the and he's just looking at me. And I, will you come back? Can we make, can, can we work out something? And then his answers, his questions would all have answers and and other people could get the things, all the things I'd like to know too. And he says, I don't know. I don't know, it, it, it's not my decision to make. So I said, well, could you discuss it with the person who does have the decision to make? And he said, yes. And I said, well, if you do decide to come back, I mean, if it can be worked out, I would need time I, it would take some time. I mean, I just couldn't go out on the spur of the moment and round up people to meet with you. It, it would have to be people that we knew would be all right and, and would have the background and all. And and I wouldn't even know where to meet him. Or, or And he laughed. He said, don't worry. If we decide to come back, we'll be able to find you all right. But I said, but I don't live around here. I don't live in this area. And he said, we'll find you. And I said, how? How will you find me? Out of millions of people. And he said, we will. We always do find those we want to. And I said, well, now what do you mean by that remark? And he just laughed. And then, Barney's coming. They're bringing Barney out of, I hear the, I hear the men out in the corridor. And I said, Barney's coming. And he said, yes, you can go back to the car now. And I got the book. And Barney's coming out, and Barney's eyes are still shut. Good heavens. <laughs> He's missed an awful lot. 
Ja, men det var det med energi for sig. Jeg er noget fiskeret. Så... Now it's time to go back to the car, and the leader said, come on, we'll walk back to the car with you. I said, all right. I said, but I do wish, I wish I knew if you were going to come back. They said, well, we'll see. And we're out into the corridor. Barney's behind me with his eyes shut. There's a man on each side of him. And I'm starting, I'm all ready to go down the ramp when some of the other men, not, not the leader, but some of the other men are talking. I don't know what they're saying, but they're very excited. And the leader is saying, he's, he's saying something. And they're quite, they're, 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 they don't, they're undecided about something. And then, oh, Jolita comes over and takes my book. And I said, oh, I'm furious. I said, you promised me I could have the book. You gave me a word you, I could have it. And he said, I know it. He said, but the others object. They don't want you to have it. And I said, but this is my proof. If you take the book away from me, I'll have no proof that this has happened. And he said, that's the whole point. They don't want you to know it's happened. They want you to forget all about it. And that's why I'm taking the book. I, I won't forget about it. You you can take the book, but you never, never, never can make me forget about it. Because I'll remember it was the last thing I ever do. I want the book. He won't give it to me. And he says, he laughs. He, he says, maybe you will remember. I don't know. I hope you don't. But maybe you will. But it won't do you any good if you do. Because body won't. Bonnie won't remember one single thing. And not only that, if he should remember anything at all, he's going to remember it differently from you. And all you're going to do is get each other so confused you won't know what's going on. If you do remember, it'd be better if you forgot it anyway. And I said, why? Well, you try to threaten me <laughs> because you can't scare me because I won't forget it. I'll remember it somehow. <laughs> so then he said, all right, now, come on, let's go back to the car. We'll go back to the, we'll take you back to the car. And... Oh, I've been standing there on the side of the ramp talking to him. And I'm not so mad now. And they've taken Barney ahead while we were talking. So he, the other men are going ahead. And he said... He said, you know, he said, I, I had no objections to you having the book, but the others object. And they have as much right to make this decision as I do.
So I said, all right. I won't be mad at you. But... It is the most... I wish I could be able to have some proof of this. Because it's the most unbelievable thing that's ever happened. So here's one of those other parts I find really interesting about this whole scenario and regression. She's trying to discuss, you know, them coming back. And he says it's not up to him. He'll discuss it with his boss or his leader, you know. And he says, don't worry. If we decide to come back, we will find you all right. So he's trying to tell her at this point, we're able to find you. He even says later, we will. We will always do find those who we want. So this right here is the interesting part. That means this was not the very first abduction. It's the very first reported abduction. You can argue the Villas Boas, but, you know, Antonio Villas Boas, that, that's a whole nother episode. I think it goes back further than that because it's those who we want. It's more than one person. This has happened before. I don't buy into the ancient astronaut theory a whole lot because that's open to interpretation. There's too much that could be applied to that. It could just be mythology or it could have actually happened. There's too much that goes into it. So she took that as a threat almost or asked him if it was a threat and he just laughed. Now, if this was fictitious, would she have not made something up at that point? I kind of think she would have, which adds a little more validity in my opinion, as well as them saying that this is not the only time. Like, they can find anybody they want. Whether, again, that be through technological means or however they do it. So Barney Hill's eyes are still shut. They take back her book, and she is pissed about that. She just wants her book, and that is her proof, and, you know, he tries to make her feel better about it, so they don't seem to be inhuman, like, they seem to have some form of conscience, you know, they're not just robots or anything like that, they seem to care a little bit, because he tries to explain to her, it's not my decision, it's everybody's decision, I, if it were up to me, you'd have the book. So Barney Hill goes to the car first as she's having this conversation, which is also back to his regression tape. He talks about being there first, and then both, as she's approaching the car, they're both smiling at each other, and then they watch the UFO take off. Now, my takeaway from the whole thing, it could be all in their heads. I kind of doubt it. Again, the comment of, we always find those who we want. That's a big picture thing. That's not a little, you know, hey, this is a one-time event that's happened just to me. This is her validifying that. As in, that's happened more than once. Just from that one statement. That is a big one that I think a lot of people miss. Now, Dr. Benjamin Simon... He later spoke about this abduction, and he said that he doesn't believe the abduction took place, but he does believe the UFO part did. He chalks it up to her dreams and Barney feeling racial tension at the time, which is understandable, I could see that, but I don't see how you're going to make up a situation like this. This whole thing... In the grand scheme of things, there's a reason that it's held up to what it has today. I know there's a lot of skeptics out there who are going to say, you know, the Outer Limits and the Twilight Zone with Hocus Pocus and Frisbee and a couple other ones all influence this, but they're not going to influence it to the point that everybody is seeing the same damn thing all this time later. I mean, that was 60 years ago. And people are still reporting the same thing now. 
I would have thought it would have changed a little bit. And it did change a little bit, like the dark black eyes and stuff like that, but not all that much. Barney Hill's eyes are still shut. They take back her book, and she is pissed about that. She just wants her book. And that is her proof, and, you know, he tries to make her feel better about it. So they don't seem to be inhuman, like... They seem to have some form of conscience, you know? They're not just robots or anything like that. They seem to care a little bit because he tries to explain to her, it's not my decision, it's everybody's decision. I, if it were up to me, you'd have the book. So Barney Hill goes to the car first as she's having this conversation, which is also back to his regression tape. He talks about being there first and then both... As she's approaching the car, they're both smiling at each other, and then they watch the UFO take off. Now, my takeaway from the whole thing, it could be all in their heads. I kind of doubt it. Again, the comment of, we always find those who we want, that's a big picture thing. That's not a little... You know, hey, this is a one-time event that's happened just to me. This is her validifying that. As in, that's happened more than once. Just from that one statement. That is a big one that I think a lot of people miss. Now, Dr. Benjamin Simon, he later spoke about this abduction. And he said that he doesn't believe the abduction took place. But he does believe the UFO part did. He chalks it up to her dreams and Barney feeling racial tension at the time. Which is understandable, I could see that. But I don't see how you're going to make up a situation like this. This whole thing, in the grand scheme of things, there's a reason that it's held up to what it has today. I know there's a lot of skeptics out there who are going to say, you know, the Outer Limits and the Twilight Zone with Hocus Pocus and Frisbee and a couple other ones all influence this, but they're not going to influence it to the point that everybody is seeing the same damn thing all this time later. I mean, that was 60 years ago, and people are still reporting the same thing now. I would have thought it would have changed a little bit. And it did change a little bit, like the dark black eyes and stuff like that, but not all that much. So in conclusion, I think this actually took place. That's just my personal opinion. Um, as far as reptilians and Nordics and you got the Pascagoula aliens, you know, I think it's a little different. In those kind of situations, I think it's altered perception. I know that's going to piss a lot of people off because I don't buy into the reptilians or the Nordics. It's stuff like that that it's it hits too close to home. I don't see how they would look exactly like us or even like in the case of the reptilians like dinosaurs. Like that's too close. So I know it's going to piss some of you off, and I'm sorry, but I buy into this case. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, that's where I'm at with it. So next week, I'm probably going to do, I don't know, I'm going to try to set up an interview. Um, if you guys would like to be on the podcast or even have me tell your story, just shoot me an email at theufos at yahoo.com. If not, I may just go off on my own. I, I don't know. I might do like an episode on, again, altered perceptions. That's definitely coming. I may do an episode on UFOs and the paranormal. Are they one and the same or two different things? We're just going to see where we go with them. We'll kind of play it by ear, but I'm going to keep on recording. So hopefully you guys keep listening. I hope it's getting a little better. So... In conclusion, I'm going to leave you guys with the ghoulies again and hot rods from outer space. Get used to that. And I hope you guys had fun. Keep on kicking it.